0: The Department of Communications and Postal Services is finalizing plans to introduce the Post Bank as a state-owned bank. Unfortunately for government, the discourse on state ownership of banks is happening at the wrong time as it comes when public trust in state-owned entities is critically low. But we're trying to find out, is there a need for new players who can disrupt the dominance of the current top five banks in South Africa? And what is the viability of a state bank? Koki Koyman from Denka Capital joins us now as we unpack this. Thank you so much for your time, Koki. This, you know, um, resurrected conversation and development, should it be something to haunt us or a cause of celebration? I guess what I'm really trying to ask is that, is there a gap that a state-owned bank could fill in the market?
1: Look, it's always an important question to ask, but uh, I think let's just start off quickly by looking at state-owned banks in other countries yes and there are a few that that come to mind one is china i've got a lot of state-owned banks russia brazil by the way there's already three uh india all four in the BRICS. so mm-hmm. all four have a big uh state-owned banks and then there's indonesia turkey those are the six countries that are very well known for their state-owned banks um, and what is fascinating is there are normally four reasons why these banks were created uh, in the case of india china they were there for a long time and largely because the government being uh, and russia as well being either communist or socialist distrusted the private sector okay and the markets so and they felt they w- were better at directing lending uh to its citizens or to businesses than the private sector. Uh, We come back to that now. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other one was more interesting is occasionally what's happened in the world, we had a big crisis uh, like the 97 emerging market crisis where uh, banks defaulted and the government stepped in to rescue the banks indonesia is a good case and uh, thailand was a good case and then afterwards slowly they returned those state-owned banks back to the private sector but if you now look at those banks and i'll take india as an example um, and in fact russia and china mirror that the state-owned banks in india in 2003 a control or win 80 percent of the total lending in the country okay uh, in the subsequent uh 20 years that market share has fallen to less than 50 percent. so what has actually happened your private sector banks have grown much faster and taken market share away from the very dominant government banks and why is that quite obviously because the private sector banks were better at giving service had better technology um so when you then think of a a state-owned bank it would would do three things which it has to compete on with the private sector banks the one is taking in deposits now generally state-owned banks can give the same deposit yields then uh then private sector banks so there they normally do compete the second one however is your service levels and your transactions now if you just think of the service levels we've had from let's say uh, transnet from mm-hmm. post office itself uh, and you can see that in india and in china and in russia the state owned banks couldn't compete with the private sector banks in terms of the quality of service they delivered to their clients and so that led to the third one basically your government owned banks then lent to businesses or people that were not credit worthy mm-hmm. the result is your bad debts at state owned banks have generally been two to three times higher and in India, when they had a crisis, it was actually ten times higher than private sector banks. So, to South Africa, mm. our South African bank sector generally fulfills the gaps that, at often, are not available, and that's why in in Turkey government started hulk bank to focus on the sme lending because they thought the banks weren't lending enough to smaller businesses which was true at that stage Banker of brazil in brazil started agricultural lending but in south africa our banks are very good at agricultural lending very good at sme lending yeah. very good at the lower end so our government feels that The banks aren't doing enough in the low end of the market. But remember, that's where Capitec and African Bank have been taking all their market share and all their lending. So will Post Office give a better service and better lending service than Capitec? I I just can't see it. But the most important thing is the people that a government-owned entity will lend to will generally be those who can't pay back. And the result will simply be this state owned bank will sit with huge bad debts for which the taxpayer in the end will have to pay. Besides, if you just think of technology and people, for a government owned bank to attract the top people to come and work on this bank, um the is just it's just it yeah, you won't be able to attract talent unless you really pay them well and somebody like mark barnes who i know fairly well if you think of his frustrations in trying to turn around the post office so i think a there isn't really a gap in in south africa for a a a government-led bank there there aren't gaps that private banks aren't fulfilling and i don't think clients will actually prefer a government bank unless they're going to give them money that the private sector banks won't give. And, th- and that would be bad debts. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I must say, um, as you, as you said in your opening, there's a huge distrust amongst the South African consumers of state owned enterprises. Why would this one fail? If ESCOM is such a, such a mess, Transnet is such a mess, post office, is such a mess, why would a state owned bank suddenly uh, work?
0: Yeah, Uh, Koki, you bring so many interesting points, but I just want to uh, go into the kind of function to serve the underserved market. You say that there really isn't a gap to fill there, but some would argue actually that there is still a gap to be filled there, because, for example, you still have players, for example, like ShopRite uh, and Pick and Pay, adding in these uh, banking functions where they're not fully fledged banks, but they do have some banking functions arguing that, you know what, we're actually serving the market that actually cannot access uh, the private banks. So do you think that there isn't any gap that they could fill in terms of serving the underserved? Yeah, it's, it's
1: a very really good question. And if you look at where your so-called um, fintech or or, or uh, banks who work through WhatsApps or, or, or phones have succeeded and grown massively. It's Africa, mm. and uh, when you have a look at that, and we actually did quite a study looking at countries where traditional banks didn't do well, um, it was where they didn't have a good branch infrastructure like we have in South Africa. So generally, South Africa's branch infrastructure has been quite good, but but where you are right because of the increasing costs of staff personnel uh, just physical property transporting cash cash is a very very expensive um you know, asset to transport to have in those branches the south african banks have slowly been closing down branches in rural areas and so what you find is that internationally more and more those clients are being served by on their phone by having an app on their phone um, and being able to then go to a pick and pay and get cash if they want it uh but but you're all right so at that really low end but now we're talking more of transactional banking Mm. rather than um than lending and um you know that can be solved with technology and it is being solved um but Yeah, it is true that at that end of the market isn't very profitable because the amounts we talk are very small. So, and yeah, do you need a a state-owned bank to go and serve those people via technology that is available in the private sector? Maybe, Mm. Um, but it's going to be a very expensive. The bank certainly won't be profitable, so it will certainly be something that... Yeah, the taxpayer will have to fund.
0: Yeah, that's the thing, because I was just about to ask, because uh, traditional banks really do need a lot of infrastructure. And for that, I mean, even the likes of ShopRite, for example, that do have those uh, uh, banking functions, those are supported by really, really strong balance sheets. You yeah. look at government yeah. and it, it's like, where is it all going to come from? So is it all yeah. the taxpayer? Yeah,
1: yeah. Now, well, Initially, the government will have to put in the capital because you're quite right. A bank is you know, able to firstly to get the technology in place yeah. uh, and to lend. Banks need capital. They need uh, for every hundred rand they lend, they need about let's say twenty rand in capital. So if this bank wants to lend, well, to be worthwhile, it has to be a few billion. Firstly, the government have to provide that capital. And yeah. uh, what interesting, most of the uh, better. Uh, countries have done is they've the the government owned banks they've also listed on the stock exchange and the objective there was there was twofold one is that when they grow or when they need more capital they can go to the market to raise capital so it's not always government that has to so i would firstly Mm. urge if we're really going to have a government owned bank make sure it's listed on the capital on the on the on the jse as well yeah Uh, but the second one that is very important with having a public face a listed face it means that you've got to be accountable to shareholders including the government and the, market, and the market will very quickly tell you if your bank if they believe in your bank or not by the valuation and by the way again in India and in China the government-owned banks trade at about one third to half of the private sector banks Mm. Uh, so you can see the market even there and the Chinese government-owned banks are fairly well run Indian ones have been recapitalized after the last disaster and um, but even there they trade at half the private sector valuation so it means that for a hundred grand loan you've got to raised twice the amount of capital as a private sector bank mm. so but but the good thing that those governments have done is they did list them so it is in the full public scrutiny uh, the financial analysts right the ports people like yourself will when they report their results ask the CEO to be accountable mm. ask yeah so uh, that certainly would help um, And, uh, you know, also for the public to see where the money is going to and, and, and the market to decide whether the bank is working or not.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, Okokie, I'm sure we'll be having this conversation again because the South African Reserve Bank has given Post Bank until the end of December to clean up house. Um, Yeah. So quite interesting that you talk about the trend that, for example, in India, uh, they used to control 80 percent of the lending. And now that trend has gone up to gone down to below 50 percent. But also you maybe want to ask if this is maybe a good time to be a new bank in the South African landscape with all the bullishness that we have seen from analysts on the South. African banks but it's a wait and see game and of course we will be uh, tracking those developments. Thank you so much for your time. Koki Goyman is from Denka Capital. <laughs>